0: 29 the decay of the greenland colonies converted iceland from a focal into a remote terminal point and after the progress of the world became based upon complex and far reaching commercial relations the blight of extreme isolation settled upon the island peace became stagnation the concomitant of isolation is protection though this protection if the result of extreme isolation may mean an early cessation of development history shows that in the lower stages of civilization When the social organism is small and weak, and its germs of progress easily blighted, islands offer the sheltered environment in which imported flowers of culture not only survive but improve, in less protected fields they deteriorate or disappear. When learning and Christianity had been almost wiped out on the continent of Europe by the ravages of barbarian invasion between 450 and 800 AD in Ireland they grew and flourished. In the 7th and 8th centuries. The high scholarship of the Irish monks and their enthusiastic love of learning for its own sake grew to their school students of the noblest rank from both England and France. It was from Irish teachers that the Picts of Scotland and the Angles of Northern England received their first lessons in Christianity. These fixed their mission stations again on islands, on Iona off southwestern Scotland and on Lindisfarne or Holy Isle near the east coast of Northumbria. It was in the protected environment of the medieval Iceland that Scandinavian literature reached its highest development. Insular protection was undoubtedly a factor in the brilliant cultural development of Crete. The progress of the early civilization from the late Stone Age through the Bronze Age was continuous, it bears no trace of any strong outside influence or sudden transition. No evidence of disturbance like an invasion or conquest by an alien people till 1200 BC when the latest stage of Minoan art was crushed by barbarian incursion from the north. The early history of the Singhales monarchy in Ceylon from 250 BC to 416 AD when even the narrow moat of Pak Strait discouraged Tamil invasions from the mainland shows the brilliant development possible under even a slight degree of protection. However, in the case of these Ceylon Aryans, as in that of the Icelandic Norse, We must keep in mind the fact that the bearers of this culture were picked men, as are early maritime colonists the world over. The sea selects and then protects its island folk. But the seclusion of Ceylon was more favorable to progress than the mainland of India, with its incessant political and religious upheavals. Japan, in contrast to China's long list of invasions, shows the peace of an insular location. She never suffered any overwhelming influx of alien races or any foreign conquest. The armada sent by Kavlai Khan in 1281 to subdue the islands paralleled the experience of the famous Spanish fleet three centuries later in English waters. This is the only attempt to invade Japan that recorded history shows. In the original peopling of the island by Mongolian stock at the cost of the and aborigines, there is evidence of two distinct and perhaps widely separated immigrations from the mainland, one from Korea and another from more northern Asia. Thus Japan's population contained two continental elements which seem to have held themselves in the relation of governing and governed class, much as Norman and Saxon did in England, while the Anos lingered in the geographical background of mountain fastness and outlying islands, as the primitive Celts did in the British Isles. In the case both of England and Japan, the island location made the occupation by continental races a fitful, piecemeal process, not an inundation, because only small parties could land from time to time. The result was gradual or partial amalgamation of the various stocks, but nowhere annihilation. But island location was not the sole factor in the equation. Similarity of race and relative parity of civilization between the successive immigrants and the original population, as well as the small numbers of the invaders, made the struggle for the ownership of the island not wholly one-sided, and was later favorable to amalgamation in England as in Japan, whereas very small bands of far-coming Spaniards in the Canaries, Cuba, and Puerto Rico resulted in the extinction of the original inhabitants. By the process operating now in New Zealand and Australia, prior to the arrival of the Europeans in the Antilles, the conquest of these islands by South American Caribs had resulted in race intermixture. These sea marauders brought no women with them in their small boats from the distant mainland, so they killed off the men and married the Arawak women of the islands. Here again insular location plus similarity of race and culture produced amalgamation as opposed to extermination of the vanquished by oversea invaders. While the insular security of a primitive folk like the Tasmanians, Hawaiians, and Malagases is only passive. That of a civilized people like the English and modern Japanese is active, consciously utilized and reinforced. It is therefore more effective, and productive of more varied political and cultural results. Such people can allow themselves extensive contact with other nations, because they know it is in their power to control or check such contact at will. Japan took refuge in its medieval period in a policy of seclusion suggested by its island habitat, relying on the passive protection of isolation. England, on the other hand, from the time of King Alfred, built up a navy to resist invasion. The effect, after the political unification of Great Britain, was a guarantee of protection against foreign attack. The concentration of the national defenses in a navy, the elimination of the standing army which despotic monarchs might have used to crush the people, the consequent release of a large working force from military service, and the application of these to the development of English industry, islands, as naturally protected districts, are often sought places of refuge by the weak or vanquished, and thus are drawn into the field of historical movement. We find this principle operating also in the animal world. The fur seals of the North Pacific had fled from the American coasts and found an asylum on the Pribilof Islands of Bering Sea, where their concentration and isolation had enabled them to become wards of the United States government, though this result they did not foresee. The last Ritina or Arctic sea was found on an island in Bering Strait, so the Venti of northern Italy in the 5th century sought an asylum from the desolating Huns, and, a century later, from the Lombards, in the deposit islands at the head of the Adriatic and there found the geographic conditions for a brilliant commercial and cultural development. Formosa got its first contingent of Chinese settlers in the 13th century in refugees seeking a place of safety from Khan's armies, and its second in 1644 in a Chinese chief and his followers who had refused to submit to the victorious Manchus. In 1637 Formosa was an asylum also for Japanese Christians who escaped thither from the persecutions attending the discovery of Jesuit conspiracies against the government, the Azores, soon after their rediscovery in 1431, were colonized largely by Flemish refugees, just as Iceland was peopled by rebellious Norwegians, to such voluntary exiles the dividing sea gives a peculiar sense of security, thus by a psychological law, hence England owing to its insular location, and also to its free government, has always been an asylum for the oppressed. The large body of Huguenot refugees who sought her shores after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes added a valuable element to her population. Islands find their populations enriched by the immigration of the select class who refuse to acquiesce in oppression and injustice. But the geographic conditions which make islands natural asylums make them also obvious places of detention for undesirable members of society, these conditions render segregation complete escape difficult or impossible, and control easy. Hence we find that almost all the nations of the world-owning islands have utilized them as penal stations. From the grey dawn of history the Isles of the Blessed have been balanced by the Isles of the Cursed. The radiant garden of Hesperides has found its antithesis in the black hell of Norfolk Isle. Peopled by the doubly condemned criminals who not even the depraved convict citizens of Botany Bay could tolerate. There is scarcely an island of the Mediterranean without this sinister vein in its history. The archipelagos of the ancient Aegean were constantly receiving political exiles from continental Greece. Augustus Caesar confined his degenerate daughter Julia, the wife of Tiberius, on the island of Pandateria, one of the Ponza group, and banished her paramour, Sempronis Gracchus, to Circina in the Cerdes Minor off the African coast. Other Roman matrons of high degree but low morals and corrupt officials were exiled to Corsica, Sardinia, Serifus, Amargos and other of the Cyclades. Today Italy has prisons or penal stations in Ischia, the Ponza group, Procida, Nicida, Elba, Phantellaria, Lampedusa, Ustica, and especially in the Lipari Isles, where the convicts are employed in mining sulfur, element and pumice from the volcanic cones. In modern times many remote oceanic islands have gotten their first or only white settlers from this criminal class. Such are the citizens whom Chile has sent to Easter Isle 2,500 miles away out in the Pacific. The inhabitants of Fernando Noronha, 125 miles off the eastern point of South America, are convicts from Brazil, together with the warders and troops who guard them. In 1832 Ecuador began to use the uninhabited Galapagos Islands. Lying 730 miles west of its coast. As a penal settlement, the history of St. Helena is typical. Its first inhabitants were some Portuguese deserters who in punishment were marooned here from a Portuguese ship with a supply of seed and cattle. They proved industrious and had cultivated a good deal of the land when four years later they were removed to Portugal. The next inhabitants were a few slaves of both sexes who escaped from a slave ship that had stopped here for wood and water. These multiplied worked and restored the overgrown plantations of their predecessors, till a Portuguese vessel about twenty years later was sent to exterminate them. A few escaped to the woods, however, and were found there in prosperity in 1588. From 1815 till 1821 Saint Helena was the prison of Napoleon. Many of these penal islands seen chosen with a view to their severe or unhealthy climate, which would forever repel free immigration and therefore render them useless for any other purpose. This is true of the French Isles select off the Guiana coast, of Spanish Fernando Po in the Gulf of Guinea, of the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, notoriously unhealthy, which received the criminals of British India, and of numerous others. A bleak climate and improductive soil have added to the horror of exile life in Sacaleem, as they overshadowed existence in the Falkland Islands, when these were a penal colony of Spain and later of Argentine, in the case of political offenders and incorrigibles. The island prison is as remote and inaccessible as possible. The classic example is Napoleon's consignment to Elba and subsequently to St. Helena. Once escape was impossible. Spain has sent its rebellious subjects, even university professors of independent views, to Fernando Po in the Gulf of Guinea and Tenerife in the Canaries. Russian political offenders of the most dangerous class are confined first in the Schluesselberg prison, situated on a small island in Lake Ladoga near the effluence of the Neva. There they languish in solitary confinement or are transferred to far off Sakhalin, whose very name is to boy in St. Petersburg. During our Civil War, one of the Dry Tortugas, lying a hundred miles west of the southern point of Florida and at that time the most isolated island belonging to the American government, was used as a prison for dangerous Confederates, and here later three conspirators in the assassination of President Lincoln were incarcerated, far away to the southeast, off the coast of South America are the Isles du Salote, a French penal station for criminals of the worst class. The Isle du Diable, ominous of name, lies farthest out to sea. This was for five years the prison of Dreyfus. Its other inhabitants are lepers, Isles of the Cursed indeed. What islands have they tend to hold, to segregate, secrete from meddling hands, preserve untouched and unaltered, allowing to this power to protect. Islands show a large percentage of rare archaic forms of animal and plant life. The insular fauna of Australia, Tasmania, New Guinea and Madagascar display a succession of strange, ancestral forms going back to the biological infancy of the world. The canaries in the Atlantic and Celebes in the Pacific are museums of living antiquities, some of them dating probably from Miocene times. Such survivals are found elsewhere only in high mountains, whose inaccessible slopes also offer protection against excessive competition. Hence, some of the antiquated species of insular Celebes, Formosa, Japan, and highman occur again on the Asiatic mainland, only in the Himalayas. Forman two islands and their sister areas of isolation, mountains, are areas of survivals. The shrinking remnants of that half-dwarf Negrito stock, which may have formed the aboriginal population of southern Asia, are found today only in the mountains of peninsular India and in island groups like the Andaman and the Philippines. But even in the Philippines. They are confined either to the mountainous interiors of the larger islands, or to a little coastal islets like Palolo, Palabat, Jamulig, and others. See map, page 147, Yezo, Sakhalin and the Kuril Isles harbor the last feeble remnants of the Anos, a primitive people who formerly occupied a long stretch of the Asiatic coast south of the Amur mouth. The protected environment of these islands has postponed the doom of extinction toward which the Anos are hastening with insular conservatism they dress, live and seek their food on the sea today, just as depicted in Japanese art and literature at the dawn of history. See map page 103. It is chiefly on islands of harsh climatic conditions, like Sacaleem, or of peculiarly restricted resources and area, like the Andaman, or of remote, sidetracked location, like Iceland, Sardinia and Cape Breton, that the stamp of the primitive or antiquated is strongest even when not apparent in race stock, owing to the ubiquitous colonization of maritime peoples. It marks the language and customs of even these late-coming occupants, because an island environment asserts always some power to isolate. This is due not only to the encircling mode of sea, but also to the restricted insular area, too small to attract to itself the great currents of human activity which infuse cosmopolitan ideas and innovations, and to poor to buy the material improvements which progress offers. If the tourist in Sicily finds the women of Taormina or Gergenti spinning with a hand spindle, and the express trains moving only 12 miles an hour, he can take these two facts as the product of a small, detached area. Although this island lies at the crossroads of the Mediterranean, Corsica and Sardinia, lying off the main routes of travel in this basin, are two of the most primitive and isolated spots of Europe. Here the old wooden plough of Roman days is still in common use as it is in Crete and feudal institutions of the Middle Ages still prevail to some extent. A fact which recalls the long survival of feudalism in Japan, the little isle of man, almost in sight of the English coast, has retained an old Norse form of government. Here survives the primitive custom of orally proclaiming every new law from the tinwald hill before it can take effect, and the other ancient usage of holding the court of justice on the same hill under the open sky. The Faroe Islands and Iceland are museums of Norse antiquities. The stamp of isolation and therefore conservatism is most marked in the remoter, northern islands. Surnames are rare in Iceland, and such as exist are mostly of foreign origin. In their place, Christian names followed by the patronymic prevail, but in the Faroes, these patronymics had in a great many cases become recognized as surnames. So again, while the Faroese women still use a rude spinning wheel introduced from Scotland in 1671, in Iceland the spinning wheel was still an innovation in 1800, and even today competes with spindles, hand corns for grinding wheat, stone hammers for pounding fish and roots, the wooden weighing beam of the ancient northmen, and quaint marriage customs give the final touch of aloofness and antiquity to a life on these remote islands, as all island life bears more or less the mark of isolation, so it betrays the narrow area that has served at its base. The islands show a wide variation in size, from the 301.000 square miles 771.900 square kilometers of New Guinea or the 291.000 square miles 745.950 square kilometers of Borneo, to the private estates like the Silly Isles, Gardiner, and Shelter Islands off Long Island, or those small, sea fenced pastures for sheep and goats near the New England coast and in the Aegean. Yet small islands predominate, the large ones are very few. Islands comprise a scant 7% of the total land area of the earth, and their number is very great, 900. For instance, in the Philippine group alone, therefore small area is a conspicuous feature of islands generally. It produces in island people all those effects which are characteristic of small, naturally defined areas, especially early or precocious social, political and cultural development. The value of islands in this respect belongs to the youth of the world. As seen in the ancient Mediterranean, or in the adolescence of modern primitive races, it declines as the limitations rather than the advantages of restricted territory preponderate in later historical development. The early maturity, combined with the power to expand the concentrated national or tribal forces in any given direction, often results in the domination of a very small island over a large group. In the society islands. Cook found little Palabola ruling over Iliadiritea and Otaha, the former of these alone being over twice the size of Palabola, whose name commanded respect as far as Tahiti. The Fiji archipelago was ruled in pre-Christian days by the little islet of Bau, scarcely a mile long, which lies like a pebble beside massive Levu. It was the chief center of political power and its supremacy was owned by nearly all the group. The next important political center was Rewa, no larger than Bau which had for its subject Big Munga. In the same way, the Solomon group was ruled by Mungusa and Simbo, just as tiny New Lauenberg lorded it over the larger islands of the Bismarck Archipelago, when the Dutch in 1613 undertook the conquest of the coveted spice isles, they found their two rival sultans seated in the two-minute islets of Ternate and Tidore off the west coast of Gilolo, their collective possessions, which the Dutch took, comprised all the Malukas, the Kanbanda groups the whole of northwestern New Guinea, and Mindanao of the Philippines. It was no unusual thing for classic Aegean Isles to control and exploit goodly stretches of the nearest coast, or to exercise dominion over other islands. Aristotle tells us that Crete's location across the southern end of the Aegean Sea confirmed to it by nature the early naval empire of the Hellenic world. Minos conquered some of the islands, colonized others, and, according to the story of Theseus and the Minotaur, laid Athens under tribute. But his suppression of piracy in these waters and his conspicuous leadership in the art of navigation point to a yet more significant supremacy, so insular Venice ruled and exploited large dependencies. The island of Zealand, strategically located at the entrance to the Baltic, has been the heart and head and strong right arm of the Danish dominion, through all its long history of fluctuating boundaries. England's insularity has been the strongest single factor in the growth of her vast colonial empire and in the maintenance of its loyal allegiance and solidarity. The widely strewn plantation of her colonies is the result of that teeming island seedbed at home, while the very smallness of the mother country is the guarantee of its supremacy over its dependencies. Because it is too small either to oppress them or to get along without them. Now an Asiatic variant of English history is promised us by growing Japan. Though political supremacy is possible even to an island of insignificant size, both the advantages are the grave disadvantages of small area are constantly asserting themselves. Some developments peculiar to a large territory are here eliminated at the start. For instance, robbery and brigandage, which were so long a scourging peninsular Greece, were unheard of on the small Aegean islands. Sheep raising was at an early date safer in England than on the continent, because wolves were earlier exterminated there. Biogeography shows an increasing impoverishment in the flora and fauna, of small islands with distance from the mainland, in the Pacific Ocean, this progressive impoverishment from west to east has had great influence upon human life in the islands, in Polynesia, therefore, all influences of the chase and of pastoral life are wanting, while in Melanesia, with its larger islands and larger number of land animals, hunting still plays an important part and is the chief source of subsistence for many New Guinea villages. Therefore a corresponding decay of projectile weapons is to be traced west to east, and is conspicuous in those crumbs of land constituting Polynesia and Micronesia. The limit of the bow and arrow includes the northeastern portion of the Philippine group, cuts through the Malay archipelago so as to include the Moluccas and Flores, includes Melanesia as far as Tonga or the Friendly Isles, but excludes Micronesia, Polynesia and Australia. Even in Melanesia, however, bows and arrows are not universal. They are lacking in peripheral islands like New Caledonia and New Ireland. The restriction of trees, also, with the exception of the cocoa palm and pandanus, has had its effect upon boat making. This general impoverishment is unmistakably reflected in the whole civilization of the smaller islands of Polynesia and Micronesia, especially in the Palau and Kalu groups, in the countless coraline islands which strew the Pacific. Another restricting factor is found in their monotonous geological formation, owing to the lack of hard stone, especially a flint. Native utensils and weapons have to be fashioned out of wood, bones, shells, and sharks' teeth. Nor does the geographical limitation end here. Islands have proportionately a scanter allowance of fertile alluvial lowlands than have continents. This follows from their geological history, except in the case of those low deposit islands built up from the waste of the land. Most islands are summits of submerged mountain ranges, like Corsica and Sardinia, the Aegean archipelagos, the Greater Antilles, Vancouver, and the countless fjord groups, or they are single or composite volcanic cones, like the Canaries, Azores, Lipari, Curiel, Fiji, Ascension, St. Helena and the Lesser Antilles, or they are a combination of highland subsidence and volcanic outthrust, like Japan, the Philippines, the Long Sunda Chain and Iceland. Both geologic histories involve high reliefs, steep slopes, a deep surrounding sea, and hence rarely a shallow continental shelf for the accumulation of broad alluvial lowlands. Among the Aegean Isles only nexos has a floodplain, all the rest have steep coasts, with few sand or gravel beaches, and only small deposit plains at the head of deep and precipitous embayments. Japan's area of arable soil is today only 15.7% of its total surface even after the gentler slopes of its mountains have been terraced up to thousand feet some authorities put the figure lower that ten and twelve percent yet in spite of limited area and the sparsity of local resources islands constantly surprise us by their relatively dense populations more often than not they show a density exceeding that of the nearest mainland having the same zonal location often the same geologic structure and soil along with other small naturally defined areas They tend to a closer packing of the population, yet side by side with this relative overpopulation. We find other islands uninhabited or tenant only by sheep, goats and cattle. In the wide Pacific world comprising Australia and Oceanica, islands take up 15% of the total land area, but they contain 44% of the population. The insular empire of Japan, despite the paucity of its arable soil, has a density of population nearly twice that of China nearly three times that of Korea, and exceeding that of any political subdivision of continental Asia, but Japan, in turn, is surpassed in congestion only by Java, with a density of 587 to the square mile, which almost equals that of Belgium 643 and England 600. Great Britain has a density of population 453 to the square mile only exceeded in continental Europe by that of Belgium, but surpassed nearly threefold by that of the Little Channel Isles which amounts to 1254 to the square mile, if the average density of the United Kingdom is greatly diminished in Ireland, just as Italy's is in Sardinia and France's in Corsica. This fact is due primarily to a sidetracked or overshadowed location and adverse topography, combined with misgovernment. If we compare countries which are partly insular, partly continental, the same truth emerges. The Kingdom of Greece has 15% of its territory in islands, Here again population reaches its greatest compactness in Corfu and Zandi, which are nearly thrice as thickly inhabited as the rest of Greece. Similarly the islands which constitute so large a part of Denmark had an average density of 269 to the square mile as opposed to the 112 of Jutland. The figures rise to 215 to the square mile in the Danish West Indies, but drop low in the bleak, subarctic insular dependencies of Greenland, Iceland and the Faroes. Portugal's density is tripled in the Madeiras and doubled in the Azores, but drops in the badly placed Cape Verde Island, exposed to tropical heat and the desiccating trade winds blowing off the Sahara, Spain's average rises 25%, in the Canary Islands, which she has colonized, and France's nearly doubles in the French West Indies, the British West Indies, also, with the exception of the broken coral bank constituting the Bahamas, show a similar surprising density of population which in Bermuda and Barbados surpasses that of England, and approximates the teeming human life of the Channel Isles. This general tendency toward a close packing of the population in the smaller areas of land comes out just as distinctly in islands inhabited by natural peoples in the lower stages of development, despite the retarded economic methods peculiar to savagery and barbarism. The Polynesian Islands, for instance, often show a density of population equal to that of Spain and Greece 100 to the square mile and exceeding that of European Turkey and Russia, over the whole extent of the South Sea, says Robert Louis Stevenson. From one tropic to another, we find traces of a bygone state of overpopulation, when the resources of even a tropical soil were taxed, and even the improvident Polynesian trembled for the future. He calls the Gilbert et al's, Warrens of men, one of them, Drummond's Island, an area of about 20 square miles, contained a population of 10.000 in 1840, and all the et al's were densely populated. Today they count 35.000 inhabitants in less than 200 square miles. The neighboring Marshall Group has 15.000 on its 158 square miles of area. The Caroline and kalu archipelagos show a density of 69 to the square mile. The Tonga or friendly group harbor about 60 and the French holdings of Fuduma de- and or we the same. So the Bismarck Archipelago, Solomon, Hawaiian, Samoan and Marianne Islands have today populations by no means sparse, despite the blight that everywhere follows the contact of superior with primitive peoples. In all these cases, if economic status be taken into account, we had a density bordering on congestion. But the situation assumes a new aspect if we realize that the crowded inhabitants of small islands often had the run of the cocoa plantations and fishing grounds of an entire archipelago. The smaller, less desirable islands are retained as fish and cocoa pump preserves to be visited only periodically. Of a low, cramped, monotonous coral group, often only the largest and most productive is inhabited, but that contains a population surprising in view of the small base restricted resources and low cultural status of its inhabitants. The population of the wide-strewn Pomoda et was estimated as about 10.000 in 1840. Of these fully one half lived on Anna or Chain Island, and one fourth on Gambier, but they levied on the resources of the other islands for supplies. The Tonga Islands at the same time were estimated to have 20.000 inhabitants, about half of whom were concentrated on Tongataboo while Hippie and Varro held about 4.000 each. This is one of the sharp contrasts in island life. Here density akin to congestion, there a few miles away a deserted reef or cone rising from the sea, tenant only by sheep or goats or marine birds, its solitude broken only by the occasional crunching of a boat's keel upon its beach, as some visitant from a neighboring isle comes to shear wool, gather coconuts, catch birds or collect their eggs, All the 500 inhabitants of the Westman Isles off the southern coast of Iceland live in one village on Hymi, and support themselves almost entirely by fishing and fouling birds on the wild crags of the archipelago, An oceanic climate. Free contact with the Gulf Stream, and remoteness from the widespread ice fields of Iceland give them an advantage over the vast island to the north. Only 27 of the 90 islands composing the Orkney group are inhabited and about 40 smaller ones afford natural meadows for sheep on their old red sandstone soil, but Pomona, the largest Orkney, has 17.000 inhabitants on its 207 square miles of territory or 85 to the square mile. The Shetlands tell the same story 29 out of 100 islands inhabited, some of the homes or smaller islets serving as pastures for the sturdy ponies and diminutive cattle, and mainland, the largest of the group showing 58 inhabitants to the square mile. This is a density far greater than is reached I.